Welcome to the Dr. Berg's Healthy Keto and Intermittent Fasting Podcast, where Dr. Berg takes you on the journey for the truth about getting healthy and losing healthy weight. So today we're going to talk about, <coughs> excuse me one second, <coughs> Jeez. chronic phlegm in the back of your throat. So to really figure this problem out, you want to think like an engineer, not as a medical professional, because when you do research on this, you're going to quickly find out that it's all about, again, suppressing the symptoms and even classifying these conditions based on their symptoms. So it it makes this symptom sound like a disease. And unfortunately, they're not going deep enough into um, the root causes of these issues. And then also letting you know what are the more common causes to uh, these symptoms. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one symptom, chronic mucus uh, generation in your throat, and just trace it back to the most likely cause. Now, with this chronic mucus production, you can have a post-nasal drip. You can have chronic coughing more at night than during the day, which I'm going to cover why that is. You can definitely have hoarseness or a scratchy throat. You can also experience the sensation like a lump in your throat or something stuck in your throat and you're not sure what it is, or even a sore throat when you really don't have an infection. So to take an engineering point of view, they're going to look at a cause and effect relationship. They're going to really look at the logic behind this problem instead of just taking this tip of the iceberg symptom and then matching a medication for it to suppress it. Now you could have an allergy, you could have a virus in your sinuses producing this mucus, um, but a more likely cause would be something related to two other symptoms, which I'm gonna get to the root cause, but one would be GERD, which stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease, where you have acid coming up through this valve at the top of the stomach and it's coming up through your esophagus. Or this other condition called LPR, that stands for laryngopharyngeal reflux. And so really the basic difference between GERD, okay, and LPR, because they're both very similar, the valve is not closing and so we're getting acid that comes up with GERD into the esophagus, but with LPR, we're getting acid that comes up higher into the vocal cords into the back of the throat. And each one of these conditions is classified as a, a certain condition that's treated directly, usually with antacids and other medications that suppress acid in your stomach. Now, if you have mucus in your throat, you wanna ask yourself if you have all these other symptoms that are related to that. So with GERD, you would have heartburn, you would have belching, you would have regurgitation, you could have excess mucus, throat irritation, you can have a lump in your throat, Difficulty breathing because when there's acid that comes up through your throat, your ability to get oxygen dramatically decreases. So you'll have difficulty swallowing, sometimes post-nasal drip with that. And it's worse when you're lying down at night because that valve, again, is not closing correctly. And you may have food allergies, which I'll talk more about that. And then with this other condition called LPR, you're going to get a lot of those symptoms, um, but you also may have like a metallic taste in your mouth and more irritation in your vocal cords, like hoarseness when you're trying to talk. Now, before I go deeper into the root cause of these issues, I wanna just talk first about some of the treatments, uh, which can even cause the condition and aggravate the condition even more. 
For example, antacids, a big side effect would be constipation, even acid reflux. And then you have these other medications that are uh, work a little bit differently. They're called PPIs, protein pump inhibitors. So they basically stop the enzymes that are producing um, acid. And they also have side effects of constipation, gas, risk for stroke, risk of getting C. diff, which is an infection uh, because it's a pathogen, palpitations, and even high blood pressure. Then you have another side effect called hypergastrinemia. Now, what is that? That is too much gastrin, which is gonna cause too much acid in your stomach. So here you are trying to get rid of your acid by taking a solution that's giving you more acid. Doesn't make sense at all. Another problem with these treatments is that they will remove acid. And now you're gonna have a difficult time absorbing minerals like calcium and magnesium. So now we have a problem with bones, muscles, and the list goes on and on and on. But of course, there's other solutions too. You can get a surgery. You can tighten this valve even more, but there are some slight minor complications like inability to belch anymore or burp, increased gas in your digestive system, a greater need for more antacids and those PPIs that I just talked about. So ultimately, the optimum solution to something should not give you a bigger problem than you started out with, right? So let's talk about the most likely cause of this valve not closing, giving you this GERD or LPR. Not too much acid. It would be an acid deficiency, low hydrochloric acid. When the acid or concentration of acid in your stomach is lower, the valve um, doesn't close that properly. In fact, it'll, it can open up. But when the acid starts increasing, when you start digesting things like proteins, the top of the valve should close very, very nice and tight if everything is working correctly. So the root cause of this valve not closing is basically you don't have enough acid in your stomach, and that is the underlying reason. And because you have acid reflux, you're thinking, wow, I have too much acid. I need to get rid of this acid, so I'll take an antacid or or I will do something to reduce the acid. But the root cause is actually you don't have enough acid. Now, hydrochloric acid in your stomach is a very important fluid um, for many different things, especially within your immune system. One of the purposes of this very strong acid, which should be between one and three, is to kill pathogens. Believe it or not, your stomach is very sterile, okay? Um, nothing can live because that acid is so strong. And this is one of the barriers that your body puts up in the immune system. Because if we can kill pathogens that come from our food into the stomach and prevent them from going down to the rest of the tract, we have a very good defense against these pathogens. But if we have weak acid in the stomach, pathogens can escape and get into the system and create all sorts of problems in the lower part of the digestive system. And even in the small intestine, you can get what's called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that occurs because you didn't kill the microbes at the stomach level. Another very important purpose of this hydrochloric acid is to break down proteins, to break down proteins fully, okay? So if you don't have enough acid in your stomach, you'll get incomplete protein digestion and start to create stress in the other parts of the digestive system because they have to produce more enzymes and they have to do different things lower in the tract and that throws off your whole digestion. Now, if you compound this with inflammation, okay, in the gut, and you have something called leaky gut syndrome, 
these proteins go right into the little holes where you have leaky gut and your immune system starts creating antibodies against these proteins. And that's the start of autoimmune diseases. That's the start of an allergy. And then the third reason why we need this hydrochloric acid in our stomach is in your ability to absorb minerals, okay? So without that pH, the minerals don't travel into the body that well. So this is one of the underlying reasons why people are anemic or they have mineral deficiencies. They cannot absorb minerals, calcium, magnesium, potassium, zinc, iodine, all these minerals. But also this strong pH triggers things in your pancreas to release certain enzymes, as well as in your gallbladder to release bile. So without this concentrated hydrochloric acid in the stomach being at what pH it should be, boy, the entire digestive system um, starts to go downhill real fast. And on top of everything else, the sensing mechanism doesn't allow that, that valve to close tightly. And then the acid starts regurgitating. You may even get regurgitation of the bile up into the stomach and both hydrochloric acid and bile can then regurgitate up through the esophagus, up into your throat. And this irritates the back of the throat and puts you in a constant state of mucus protection. That mucus is trying to be formed in an attempt to protect against this strong acid that is dissolving your tissues. So what I'm talking about is the most likely root cause of this mucus production, this chronic irritation in your throat that makes you cough. So now that we know that, the solution is very simple because we don't wanna necessarily suppress the symptom, we wanna fix the root cause. We want to now increase the amount of acid in the stomach. And by the way, you're gonna to have to figure out with the help of your doctor, how you can start to wean off some of these antacids. And if you're not interested, just ask them this one question. What are the long-term effects? What are the chronic effects of taking antacids over a period of time? And what's really behind these problems? And um, you know, you'll, I'm sure you'll be curious to find out what they say, but it'll probably be something along the lines of, well, it's just stress, it's just genetics. And as we age, most people just have these problems. But the way to get your acid back is to take um, something to start building up the hydrochloric acid. And the best remedy is uh, betaine hydrochloride. Okay, betaine hydrochloride. And you'd want to take between three to four to even five to six, even seven right before you eat, okay? So that's what I would recommend. Now, here's the problem with certain types of people that take this. If you have an ulcer because this condition has gone on too far, or if you have gastritis, there's inflammation in the stomach and you take betaine hydrochloride, it's gonna make it worse because the tissues are inflamed, in which case you're gonna to have to heal the lining of your stomach first, which could take anywhere between two to three months, okay? Before you start adding more acid to the system. But you need to understand the mechanism here. You need to know that ultimately you wanna acidify the stomach and get it back to normal. So if that is the case and you have an ulcer or you have gastritis, uh, you can watch that video. I will put that link down below. You're gonna probably benefit greatly by taking zinc carnosine. If you don't have an ulcer, taking betaine hydrochloride can greatly, greatly help you. In addition to that, there's other things you need to do because the foods that you're eating probably are not helping you. And the biggest offender 
for this problem is grains, okay, grains. Now, what's wild is that if you look this up, um, they will tell you to consume grains to improve your acid reflux. But in reality, you're gonna find that makes a lot worse. There's a lot of things in grains that are inflammatory, okay? That uh, create sensitivity, allergies, autoimmune conditions, even lower your immune system and dump a lot of omega-6 fatty acids into the system. A typical grain has like 20 or more times the omega-6 than it does the omega-3, which are anti-inflammatory. So you're basically dumping a lot of inflammation in your system when you consume grains and consume animal products that were fed a lot of heavy grains versus grass-fed, grass-finished animal products. So I'm just trying to get you to think with this and think outside the box and see if you can start to sort out your own diet and what you need to change. Now, it's essential also to do intermittent fasting and not follow the, well, just have uh, five or six small meals through the day. No, 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 you don't wanna do that. You want to do intermittent fasting because the more that you do intermittent fasting, where you fast a period of time, at least 16 to 17 to 18 hours by skipping your breakfast, um, you can now give your digestive system a chance to rest and heal and recover because it's not constantly being triggered by foods. Now, another big cause of this entire problem, and I'm talking about low stomach acids and a lack of bile salts, okay, which can inhibit your ability to digest fats, is a vegan diet, okay? When someone's a vegan, many times, they consume a lot of grains and a lot of foods that tear up their digestive system. And they don't consume a lot of animal fats. And because they're not consuming a lot of animal proteins, um, they might not have the triggering of this hydrochloric acid. So the combination of all these inflammatory foods and also the missing nutrients that are in a vegan diet can create havoc on your digestive system. Now, that being said, there is a correct way to do a vegan diet. So I'm not opposed to doing it correctly, but I am opposed to doing it with all the different fake meats and the soy protein isolates and the grains and the sugar, et cetera, et cetera. 